Jesus. There just isn't. Um, a lot of times what God does is gives me a task around the church, and then he will just speak to my heart tremendously while I'm doing that task. And yesterday was no exception. I come here yesterday to do some other things, and I got looking at our weed patch over there, and I said, God, I got to go out there and pull some weeds. And so that's what I did. I just began to pull weeds, and wow, the Lord just began to speak to my heart about weeds and how many of us have allowed weeds to come into our lives. And I'm not here to accuse. I'm just telling you how it is. And as he would give me these metaphors and, and analogies, I'd pull some of those weeds were incredibly deep. Some of them were. Some of them I could just take my little fingers and just pull them right out. And so I don't know what kind of weeds you have in your life right now, but there is a spirit of the Lord is in this place for a special anointing for that right now. If you really desire that, I'm not here to force your hand. I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm just here to say that your help doesn't come from the world. It comes from heaven. And God is here to help you. In fact, if you want to come to this altar for a few minutes and you just want to put it all on the altar, you can do that. You can start naming things. And God is there. He already knows, by the way. You see, we don't tell God anything he doesn't know. We just confirm. We just, we just uh, go ahead and, 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 and agree with him that, God, I got this issue. And, Lord, I know that you're, you're my friend. You're the one that can take care of these things. God, I come against greediness. I come against the ways of the world that have infiltrated into our minds and our thinking. And God, I command these things to lift up. Even right now, Lord God, loosen those finances in those people's lives. Help them to understand that you do not want them to turn out like that rich young ruler who will walk away offended and really not do anything about it. I believe that right now, Lord God, there is a tremendous spirit of repentance in this place that really means we can get a clean slate, that we can come before you, your throne room, in boldness. And right now, Lord God, true forgiveness is in this place right now, Lord God. Oh, thank you, Lord God. I praise you for it, Lord. I am absolutely excited about what a clean slate will do. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I command that which is online right now and in the name of Jesus that you can help us, Lord God, that you will help us. And I know that your hand is here. I know that your ways are among us. Yes, Lord God, I speak the word of God in faith. Oh, ha, Yes, Lord God, let the anointing of the Lord come and go into the into the inner man in the name of Jesus Lord God and I do I give you praise and glory for it God I'm so glad Lord Jesus that you are my savior I'm so glad that your word is quick and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword it pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and mire and is it a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart you are turning some intentions here you are turning them towards you again and Lord God I expect this to have ramifications that are going to be deep in the name of Jesus. And I give you the praise and the glory, Lord God. Thank you for the gift of repentance. Thank you, Lord God, that I can put your righteousness in my life in Jesus' name. Thank you for these gifts and these callings, Lord God. I give you the praise and the glory for them, Lord, in advance in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord God, I believe that no one will walk out of here the same. I believe that your word and your truth, Lord God, is establishing that front again and again. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
Blessed be to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I'm so glad the Lord saved me. I'm so glad that the Lord has methods and ways of keeping me saved in Jesus' name. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today in Jesus' name, but the Lord bless you today. Let's ask the Lord to have his way with his word now. His spirit and worship has been just very prevalent in this place. Let's ask him to take the word and now embed it deeply into our hearts. Hopefully everything has been cleared out of the way so it has access to our hearts where, by the way, it's going to do its perfect work in Jesus' name. God, everything is, that's been hidden, everything has been revealed, and we're glad about that, Lord. We're not embarrassed, Lord God. We're thankful that you come and confront us, and that conviction, Lord God, will allow us to reach a place of repentance where things will happen, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. But Lord God, let your word have free course today. Let the name of the Lord be strong. I release these things, the word, the spirit, the blood, the name, and obedience into this place place that has the ability to literally shake and take away mountains in the name of Jesus. In fact, I'm expecting that to happen in the name of Jesus. And as always, I give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give him praise one more time. Praise the name of the Lord in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Wednesday night, we got a little bit bold and we passed out some pledge cards. We have some uh, a meeting coming up here in about two and a half weeks that, in my opinion, is extremely important, not just for this church, but this area. This area has, has also been infested by weeds and that type of thing. You know, three months ago, you looked out there on that parking lot and there wasn't a weed in the place. Not one. And then all of a sudden, they just started showing up, didn't they? Well, you know, you and I don't have to get intimidated by that. And we don't have to get embarrassed by it. But we do need to do something about it. And so I believe the Lord has called the church in these last days to lead that, that, that um, parade, I should say, down the streets of righteousness. And it's his righteousness that is established in our lives. But if you have not received a pledge card, I don't know if we have any left back there or not. But if you haven't, we'd like to give you one. We'd like to, we're just giving you an opportunity to give. That's what we're doing. And a lot of times in services, there isn't that opportunity. We've got people that are coming from all different walks of life that really need to get a hold of God. And sometimes an offering, I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes an offering can kind of stifle that service. I've seen it as a leader in the Rocky Mountain District. And I'm not blaming anybody. We just feel like we have to do this now because, man, there's bills to be paid. Well, God has taught me over the years to get ahead of it and prepare people. And people like you who, uh, who understand um, what Paul said in that 20th chapter of Acts. He said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I hope you found that out. If you haven't, you are missing a whole lot in life. You really are. And I'm not talking about emptying our bank accounts. I'm talking about realistically, let's just get down where the rubber meets the road. In our culture, we're just giving out of our excess. There might come a time when we're going to have to do that. You know, if this thing, you know, we are coming to the close of an age, you know, I believe it a lot of times will represent the beginning of an age. 
In the beginning of the age of grace, you can go back to the second chapter of the book of Acts. That's where the Holy Ghost was poured out. And this is where the Bible got a hold of those people. If you read from verses 41 through 47 of the second chapter, I know we like 38, 39, and 40, but, you know, the Bible says they continued in this way. And there were tremendous inroads that were reached in that first couple of years in Jerusalem. And then it spread to the whole world. And literally, it splintered the Roman Empire. It was the church, it was the Spirit of God that literally caused the Roman Empire to fall. And so I don't know what kind of kingdoms we have today. I know there's one that's coming, and it's called the Antichrist Kingdom. And of course, you know, I'm not here to, to, to prophesy or anything like that, but I'm just saying you and I are no match to that. What you and I must understand is to get ahead of it again. Bible says literally in the book of Acts, and you can try to study it any way you, you want, I have. They literally sold it all and gave. And it was the cause of Christ and it was the Spirit of the Lord that got a hold of them. Now we understand because history is a great teacher that it wasn't too many years after that that the Roman Empire combassed that city, literally, and plowed it under. That if anybody had any money in the bank accounts, if they had stocks, bonds, whatever the case was, it had all collapsed. Now that's not, pro that's not Carnahan prophesying. I'm just saying that might happen though. You just don't know. That's why, while you have it, you know, give to the Lord and start enjoying that. Don't look at it as some kind of a sentence that God puts on you. I'm going to tell you, the scripture tells us in the sixth chapter of the book of Luke, given it shall be given unto you. I've learned, God has helped me to understand that the more he can trust me, the more he will give me. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about all kinds of things, praise God, when it comes to the kingdom of God. So think about that. I'm not going to make a huge deal of it, but I just feel like we need to. But there's lots of us in here that really, that's some of the weeds in your garden, by the way. Yeah. And it's, and it, and it's, and it's literally, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's draining you. That's what it's doing. And God wants to restore joy back in your life. He wants to, to restore simplicity back in your life. Praise God. It doesn't mean you won't have anything, but it means that you're not going to walk away like that rich young ruler and rule the day. Yeah, because that one won't leave you. It won't. Because God is good. Can you say amen? Somebody say obedience. Somebody, say, somebody else say faithfulness. Praise God. I'm inspired. I, I thank God for Harmon um, beginning to teach on Wednesday nights. Uh, we're trying to help this young Bible student to get some roots under him and, and, and that type of thing. So I hope you have a little bit of patience with him. I give him some pointers. Praise God. I told him to tell a few dirty jokes. No, I did not tell him to do that. I just, I, I did not. <laughs> That'd really wake up the crowd, wouldn't it? Yeah, my goodness, start telling those kind of things. But no, I just gave him a few pointers. I, I'm no expert, folks. I, I have been doing this a while. I feel very comfortable. I had a, a saint of ours that in the church here one time told me, he said, you know, Brother Carnahan, you have a tremendous presence behind that pulpit. And I, I thought about that for a while. I thought, boy, I hope I'm not presenting myself. And that's not what the person meant. He meant that you are very comfortable, that you can allow the Spirit to move that you can interrupt whatever you think you should say and God can just come in. And then I, I said, yeah, that, that is. That's what I have really, really sought for over the years. I had another man down in the south of the state tell me one time after I got done doing a special service, he come up to me afterwards, he said, Brother Carnahan, he said, you're doing what we need. And I said, what is that? He said, you are ministering. 
He said, you're not just teaching and preaching, you are ministering to people. And I've thought about that, not in a bragging way, folks, but I, in, a, in a consistent way. That is my goal. I want people to be touched by the master's hand. I want what I say to come from God and to be able to touch people's hearts. Because I do believe that there's not a person on the face of the earth right now that can't be saved, that can't live a better life, that can't enjoy the things of God, even in the midst of turmoil. And so think about that. God can, can really help you. But conversions are precious. And in the Bible, we have them. You have people who were going one way, and then all of a sudden, man, it just, something happened to them that there was no, nobody could deny it in Jesus' name. One of those places, and I want you to turn there with me, was the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. This guy here was, uh, was a, oh, he was a, he was quite a person, <laughs> had quite a reputation, you know, Paul, or Saul actually is his name. And, um, and he, boy, he was just really, really doing all he could do to try to stop the move of God, which is, in my opinion, a very, very poor choice. You're never going to stop the things of God. And so we see something drastically happen to him uh, physically, literally. Let me read this to you. The Bible says in verse number 1, I'm in Acts chapter 9. Um, I guess we don't have it up on the screen, huh? Oh, we do? Okay. okay. What's that? Nine. Nine. Okay, the Bible says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slander against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest. And the scripture says, And he desired, praise God, or asked him of letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any in this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. You talk about a bona fide witch hunt. This guy was on it. This guy was with vengeance. He was saying, listen, I'm going to get these people. There, they don't deserve to live. They don't deserve to be in society. So understand what's going on here, okay? Things are not going so well for the church, you know, in the physical realm. People were being put to death. People were, were being stoned. We saw that just a few chapters earlier than that. And so here it is, you know, one of the major culprits. And nobody knew this. If anybody in the church, you know, if we could have put up posters in the church at that time, enemy number one, you know whose poster would have been up, don't you? You better believe it. That would have been Saul's picture, man, and we'd have been throwing darts at it. We'd have been laying hands on that picture and asking God to curse him and the whole nine yards. And people didn't realize that there were other things happening to this man. You talk about a world of conflict. I can't imagine the last couple of months this guy was living before he came to the Lord. The conflict that was going on. The things that God was trying to reach him with, with dreams and things of that nature. And so here it is, you know, he's, he's trying to be a big man and he's trying to really try to restore things. And as he journeyed, the Bible says in verse 3, he came near Damascus and suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Remember that word? Those 120 that were in the upper room? Remember that? Nobody could set a time clock to that one. It was all of a sudden it happened. They were just there. They were in the right place at the right time. Come on, think about that, saint. Come on, it's very simple to live for God. And that's why I'm telling you, you can be in the right place at the right time on a regular basis. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It just means you're going to be there. 
And you're going to see things that maybe you've never seen before. Bible says in verse number 3, all of a sudden there shined, a light, there shined around him a light from heaven. I have no idea what that looked like, but man alive, it had to be something. And the scripture says, he fell to the earth in verse number 4. And he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? You talk about a surprise look. Paul probably, or Saul probably had that at this point in time. And so the, you know, the logical question was, who are you? Who's this that's talking to me? And notice this, praise God. Somebody here needs to get the fresh revelation of who Jesus is. He's not the third or the second person of a trinity. He is almighty God enrobed in flesh. This is the Messiah. There is nobody like him. This was prophesied in the Old Testament, anxiously waited for. And when he came, praise God, people didn't see it. And I don't want to be there. I want to see it, praise God, and I believe we can. I'm believing for a light to shine in somebody's heart here today because of the cleansing of the work of God. And so the scripture says, you know, there was an answer. Amen. I am Jesus. It's Jesus. You're the one that you're persecuting me. And it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You know, basically, you're, you talk about spitting in the wind. You talk about trying to roll across a lake when you got a, a 20, 30 mile an hour wind coming with you. This is what it was. And this is what I got to believe that Paul felt in those last days. He, you know, the resistance. And you have to understand something. The resistance of God will never go away unless he lifts it. The resistance of the devil has to move when we call upon the name of Jesus. And that's one thing I have learned, that it's God when it's persistent, when it's there. You know, the devil might have been an initiator, but God is allowing it. And then I can start reasoning and saying, what's this here for? I don't want to kick against the pricks. I don't want to be doing something when I should be doing that. And so here's Paul, praise God, or Saul, and he's learning this. And then so after that episode in verse number 6, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And so you see that there was a, a, a genuine humility, not embarrassment, but a humility that got rid of that, that arrogant spirit that says, I'm right and they're wrong. I mean, it was a tremendous change there. And I don't know how long that took, but I got to uh, assume that it didn't take very long. That once God came onto the picture, that's why services like this are not just automatic with me. I believe that those kind of encounters are still happening today. No, I'm not talking about people physically being knocked off of a horse, but people really, really, really getting those legs knocked out from underneath them and really starting to figure this thing out. And this is Jesus. This is me. I did that to you, Saul. Amen. And so along with genuine humility and repentance, always, always think about this, folks. Without conviction, without it, there will be no repentance. And without repentance, people will not get saved. That's not me being arrogant or think I know more. It is the absolute truth. Jesus spent about eight or ten verses in the 13th chapter of Luke really nailing that one. That without repentance, we will perish. Now that doesn't, um, you know, that sobers me in a hurry. 
That gets me out of lukewarmness a lot faster than a, than a lot of other things. And that was another thing that God emphasized to me yesterday while I was pulling those weeds. That people are going to hell. That people are being lost. And that the church is the light. Don't take your light and put it under a bushel. But be careful with those good works that you're doing for the Lord. Don't stop doing them, but start giving God the glory. Quit taking that credit. Quit thinking that you're the one, praise God, that makes this wheel turn. And realize it's God. His mercy, His truth is coming into your life right now in such a magnificent way. Come on, can somebody just lift up their hands and receive with meekness this engrafted word that is genuine design to save your soul? Come on. It's not designed to, con you know, to, to condemn you. Oh, honey. Praise God. Praise God. So in this instance, in this instance, and I got a feeling that it probably was in other instances, because you go to the next chapter there, the 10th chapter, we see another conversion. We see a guy named Cornelius who was a good guy, a model citizen. People loved to be around him. He was a good person. And many of you know people like that. But this guy was praying. And again, kind of like Saul, he didn't know who he was praying to. I mean, he probably had some traditional thing that he was aware of. As a child, he might have been taught some things. But he didn't have a genuine encounter with God until that angel come along and said, listen, I'm going to send somebody to your house and they're going to tell you how, how, this, how this works, if I can put it that way. And so we see another genuine conversion. What do you mean by that? They did something. Bible says that immediately Cornelius got involved with this. Immediately he sent away to Joppa because that's what the angel told him to do. Amen. He was a military man. He knew what it was like to get orders and to give orders. Our problem with our culture is we want to give them all. And that's where we stumble a lot of times with the things of God because God will give us commands. Praise God. I hope he'll show up sometime, talk to a guy Thursday night. You know, unique situation in, in, in the hospital. I won't go into the details, but I had to do something I never did before. But he calls me, or his, actually his sister calls me Thursday night and says, man, he wants to get baptized. And, I, and he told me his name, and I, all of a sudden, you know how it is, you know, when you're, when you're in my age, it takes you a while. And then I did. I finally, I, oh, I remember him. And so uh, I talked to him, and I said, yeah. He said, you know, I promised God, and I promised promised you that if I ever got time, he said, I would do it right. And I said, well, let's do it in Jesus' name. He's supposed to come here this morning, but I'm not giving up. Don't misunderstand me. But that tells me that the message is out there. I didn't call this guy. I didn't run him down in the mall. I didn't, you know, text him and, and you know, threaten him and all that kind of business. That's God working on people. Can somebody say amen? Now, come on, that same God that wants to see that man saved is the same God that's involved in your life right now, and he wants to do something in a powerful way. Come on, let's let him do it today. Let's quit pouting and worrying about what we're going to lose, and let's start realizing what we can gain. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. My goodness, you teach and you do as much of it as I do. And I'm not complaining, folks. After a while, it's pretty natural to say, I wonder if this is doing anybody any good. 
Am I just wasting my breath? Am I just going to these places just to kind of fill in a routine? But God, every once in a while, just like the weed pulling deal out there, he'll start to emphasize things, and I know what's going on. I didn't have to go into the details. All I had to mention what the Lord was, was doing and telling me in my life, and praise God, several of you right away, you could tell this is, a, this is for me in Jesus' name. You see, that's God. That's how it works. And so that's what these guys were beginning to recognize. Paul right away recognized, who are you? I got to get to know you. Amen. And the beautiful thing about Paul is he lost all of his humility because he said, what do you want me to do? I'm in a place where I can take some orders now. And I hope that's the case here today because that's what's going to help you. I'm not talking about working your way to heaven. I'm talking about doing what God tells you to do, being obedient to his commands in Jesus' name. Amen. This beautiful um, uh, lessons that we've been learning on marriage here on Thursday nights, and we're going to be doing this on a regular basis. But it's an, oh, it's an awesome class. Um, you know, I'm watching that guy like a hawk, but I'm going to tell you something. Um, it, it's the, the information is powerful, and he's made a couple of strong points that God has commanded things about the marriage unit, not given us options. And some of you really need to take that very serious from now on. You've lived in a world where that's how your world has operated. If you didn't want to do it, you'd just make an excuse for not doing it. That's just how it works. And I'm not trying to get on your bad side. I'm just telling you how our flesh works. But all of a sudden, God comes along, and he gets right in our face, doesn't he? Come on, you want to know why he does that? Because he loves us. That's why he does that, because of his tremendous love for us. And then he doesn't give us options. He gives us commandments. And then even if we don't do them, he doesn't squash us like a bug. But I'm going to tell you something, you're never ever going to be able to get closer to him without coming back into that intersection. That's what he does because he loves us. And he's not into confusing mankind. He's not going to have about 10 or 15 different ways you can get to heaven. It's not on the sliding basis here, folks. God says, hey, he that, that, that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I know that's very direct, but that's how it works. Baptism is not some kind of a working my way to heaven. It is an obedience to the command of God, which helps me to associate and to apply the things that he has done on the cross to my life. Amen. Repentance helps me to die baptism helps me to be buried with him in baptism praise God and then I'm rising to a newness of life how many felt the Holy Ghost in this place come on why don't you lift up your hands and give God praise for the Holy Ghost I'm telling you something it is fantastic yes sir Praise God. And so it was the same way with the ninth chapter of the book of Acts and the 10th chapter. I mean, there were different people, different cultures, different backgrounds, but it was the same result. God came in and let the message be very specific. Because if you read the rest of that ninth chapter of the book of, of Acts, you're going to find where Paul was led into a city blind, and a man named Ananias came to him and, and, and told him what was going on. And Paul was baptized in Jesus' name, and I believe he received the Holy Ghost the same way they did in the second chapter of the book of Acts. He began to speak with a heavenly language in Jesus' name. 
And we see the same thing that happened in the 10th chapter where Cornelius, who was a man who could have told people what to do, that's what his life consisted of, but he was a man that was ready to take orders. And when Peter came into his house, praise God, right away, the Spirit of the Lord hit Peter and said, I perceive. Oh, now I got my eyes open that God is no respecter of persons. That anywhere, any place, doesn't matter if they fear him. And they will work righteousness. And you know what working righteousness is? It's called doing what God commands us to do. That's what working righteousness is. It's not helping somebody to move. It's not helping somebody be a good neighbor. It's not feeding the poor. That's not righteousness. Righteousness is doing what God tells us to do. That's what he's telling us right now. That's why he's not going to sit here and change the rules for you no matter how good you are. Go ahead and read the 10th chapter of the book of Acts. Cornelius was a whole lot better than you and me when we weren't living for God. You better believe he was. He was a model citizen, praise God. And I'm not here to, to compare apples, apples or oranges to oranges. I'm just saying, listen, folks, one of the messages I preach from the 10th chapter of the book of Acts is being good is not good enough. You and I have to have the righteousness of God in our life if we want to fulfill the things of the Lord. And you do some of that by being obedient to God's commands. That's why Paul, you could tell he was converted because he said, what do you want me to do? Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And man, when you get a person to a place like that in their life, I mean to tell you, you talk about the acceleration program, it can really, 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 really begin to happen in the kingdom of God. Now, would you just lift your hands and close your eyes right now and ask the Lord to give you understanding to what's being said here? Come on, get rid of that blockage. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, that's right. I, I'm so glad. Just take a few, just take another 30 seconds and just bask in that. Now, that's, that's the Spirit of the Lord that has come into this place to help us to know there is a way. His name is Jesus. There's no other way. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ways thereof that ends up in death. But there's a way. His name is Jesus. And He can help us. He can really, really, really help us in Jesus' name. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It began, this train of thought began Wednesday night. Um, we had the video that we usually, that we have on, um, um, on Wednesday nights that accompanies our Bible study. Um, I hope you're appreciating the material there. I, I really do. You know, whether you like the presentation or not is one thing, but boy, the material is fantastic. It's just good stuff. And I appreciate our organization rising to the task 20, 30 years ago when they started really, really taking this serious. And it's not like a canned message. That's not what this is. It's just certain things. Um, I have uh, uh, many people who have spoken into my life at times. One of them is Anthony Mangan. I don't know him personally. I just know of him and and that type of thing. But um, I heard him say one time, and it made sense to me, that in his church, and they have a big church, a lot of people, I should say, and he says there's 20 things that he preaches 
um, every year. He said, he, without, without doubt, he said he just goes over these things over and over and over again. I understand, you know, after a while you can kind of present them a little different way, but it's basically the same principles. And I believe in that with God. I don't believe it's real complicated. You know, I believe it can be deep, just like the roots were out there, but it's, it's, it's powerful. I mean, it just sounds like, wow, yeah, I, I remember hearing that when I first came into the church. And it's refreshing because you, you understand that God isn't doing, you know, um, you know th- that kind of thing. He isn't doing the new thing. He's, doing, he's just reminding us of the old. And I thought about that. And this guy got on the video. I don't even know who he was, but he, he made a point. My wife brought this to my attention. He said he mentioned that his pastor, um, uh, where he was at, said there's five things I want you to be doing on a regular basis or maybe he said on a, on a, on a daily basis. And I thought about that this week. I thought, man, that's, that's true. I, I, and there's probably more than five. But this morning, that's what I want to bring to you. I want to bring to you five things that I feel like, you know, people should be doing on a regular basis. If you want to keep the weeds down, if you want to keep a lot of the things at bay. And so I, hopefully this will help you. It's nothing new. This isn't going to, this isn't the milky way I'm going to present to you. This is just, you know, good old terra firma here. That's where I'm at. And so hopefully this will help somebody in, in, in the name of Jesus. Because I like that attitude of Paul. I like what he said. Tell me what to do. What am I supposed to do? And I'm not talking about remaining, you know, a, a kindergarten person all the rest of your life. You understand what I'm talking about here. God wants us to mature, to grow up. And that's the natural aspect of life. I really do. And so whatever that encompasses in your life right now, hopefully that's taking place. But let me list some things here that I, I really feel that you want, uh, hopefully you will, you will um, uh, take seriously. Now to preface this, I want you to turn to the 90th Psalm. The 90th Psalm, historians tell us, um, I, I think this is true, but they tell us that this is the oldest uh, uh, chapter in the Bible. If you had a chronological Bible that would take every verse and every chapter and put it in its proper order, I have one, by the way, this, this chapter is the first one, that Moses wrote this, this 90th Psalm, and it's got a lot of stuff in it. The reason I know that it's old is because look at verse number 2. It says, oh, actually let me begin reading in verse number 1. It says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. God's never left us or forsook us. Never. And then it says before. And then look at somebody and say before. Yeah. That's before the mountains were brought forth. Or ever hast formed the earth. You get in the picture? This is before creation. It says, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. That's why one of the illustrations I give to people when I'm teaching them home Bible studies is this Bible. And on this Bible, you have a cover. You have two covers. You have a cover that happens before the book of Genesis, and then you have a cover that happens after the book of Revelation. And that's God. God was before Genesis, and God is after. Now, to try to wrap yourself around the time frame of God, is you're going to struggle with that, like I do. But we just believe it. God was ever. He ever was there. God is in the ever-present present. That's where He is. And so from everlasting to everlasting, God, that's who you are. But now let's get to our part here, okay? And I'm going to fast forward through here. The Bible says in verse number 10, 
I use this sometimes at funerals to help people understand that, you know, when you get up there in age, you got to expect some things. Well, the scripture says the days of our life are threescore years and ten. Anybody know what that is? Yeah. Yeah, and he's talking about our life now. And it says, and if by reason of strength, they be fourscore years. How many is that? So you got at 70 to 80. Now, I'm not saying that's when you're going to die and that type of thing, but isn't it amazing our technological advances? I think they said the average age here or the, um, the mortality rate in America, is some, it's actually gone down, by the way. Um, it's around 77, I think it is, maybe 78. And I'm not trying to scare anybody. I should be one of the most scared people in the place, okay? Because I'm closer to it than all of you are. And so the bottom line is, that's not, a, that's not scare tactic, that's an awareness. You must understand, don't always read the Bible when you've got a problem. Read the Bible because you want to become aware of things. The Scripture will give you that kind of insight. And so here you've got it, praise God, you know. It says, who knoweth the power of thine anger, in verse 11, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. Woo. But look at verse 12. Teach us. Teach us to do what? Yeah. Number our days. What does that mean? That means let's make some things count. Let's quit beating around the bush. Let's quit quit telling ourselves, well, one of these days I'm going to get to that. You know, no, why don't you just make up your mind that, hey, I'm going to start doing that now. And so this is the wisdom that we get from this 90th Psalm. It's not the only one, but it says to teach us the number our days and to apply our hearts to wisdom. Not our wisdom, but His. And so this is what you can be about. Wisdom isn't a heaven and hell issue all the time. Wisdom gets before the thing comes. Wisdom helps you during it. And wisdom will help you never to have that to repeat again. Wisdom teaches many lessons. And that's why there are things that you and I have to look at that can really begin to count in Jesus' name. The first thing I would like you to consider, praise God, is uh, becoming, number one, becoming more familiar with God's Word. Now, I was going to say study the Word. And right away, people think that you got to stack up a bunch of books and you got to, you know, put them on a desk and you got to just, man, you know, zone it, you know. And I'm not saying that isn't good. I do it, you know, from time to time myself. But getting familiar with Scripture can happen many, many, many ways. What I'm asking you to consider is to examine your life and how much of that garbage from the world are you allowing in. When you have an opportunity to let God's Word begin to speak to you, When you have an opportunity to let God's Word begin to influence you. Come on, I'm not here to indict you. I'm here to say, this is a daily thing. This is not some, well, when I got a problem, I'm going to look for the answer in the Scripture. Yeah, I do that, just like you do, but it's more than that to me. I want to become so familiar with the Word of God that when, not if things happen to me, right away there's a Bible verse that comes and presents itself. Now listen to me, folks. I don't think you have to have a photographic memory to have that to happen. I just believe you got to make a priority in your life. That God's Word is that priority. And get off the internet. And get off some of this other stuff, praise God, that's just putting all kinds of trouble and all kinds of disease into your mind. Now listen, that doesn't mean you got to shut everything down. It just means take another look at it, praise God. It's not doing you or me any good. And so let's wise up. 
And so that's what the Bible says in the 90th Psalm. Come on, help me, God. Help me to apply the things that you are given to me. Help me to seek after your wisdom. And we can do that best, in my opinion, one of the best ways, rather, is through His Word. Now, I could go through a whole list. I teach the discipleship class on the importance of God's Word. And we, we really rake this thing over the coals. And I mean, there's many things that you can do. There just is. But listen to me, you're not going to do this on a monthly basis and see the results that you want to see. You're going to have to learn that every day this has got to be a part of my life. And so Bible familiarity, praise God. And, and what we're going to do right now, and I feel led to do this, is God help me to develop a hunger for your word. I don't want to have to have Pastor Carnahan come and hit me over the side of the head with a two by four every two or three months to wake me up on this. I want to develop a hunger, praise God, that'll be still here tomorrow. That'll be still here next week. That'll still be here next month, praise God. I'm telling you right now, God, he is wanting to grant somebody that desire in the name of Jesus. All you got to do is lift up your hands and say, what do you want? me to do Lord what do you want me to do come on this is not some kind of a, a you know a calculus course this is in this is simple praise God God what do you want me to do come on it's that simple amen and so I could I could say a lot about that but I've got four more that I want to give you. The second one, and I'm not putting these in any particular order. I'm just presenting them to you. Another thing that I believe we need to be doing on a daily basis is prayer and praise. And the reason I put those two together is because they do combine so often. A lot of times we don't know what to do. And if we just lift up our hands and give God praise, just thank Him for what He's already done. Not the idea that you gotta, he, he can't do enough for you. And that's the culture we live in. That's where we're at. Give me, give me, give me, give me. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. That's why some of you can't get five or ten minutes into your prayer time without getting bored. And that's not the will of God. The will of God is for us to be used as instruments, praise God. But we've got to become familiar with it again. And prayer is, my goodness, folks, I've been working on this for 45 years. Amen. I'm not an expert. I just do it a lot. And I've learned to insert it in a lot of places, man. I didn't when I first came to the Lord. And so prayer and praise, praise God. If you can learn these things. We've got a wonderful chart. When I would come, first come into the church, they were a little more specific. And they said, man, if you don't pray an hour a day, you're going to go to hell. Whoa, that one woke me up. You know, but I understood what they were telling me, you know. But the bottom line is I'm not giving you some time frame. I'm just telling you that you're going to have to develop a hunger for this too. That prayer sometimes isn't going to be easy. And the same with reading the Bible. And I don't know who we think we are. We want to go downhill both ways. That's, what we're, that's where we're at. Riding my bike. like to ride my bike. Yeah. And I got this path, man. It's right out in my back door. And it's cool. I love it. Man, a live zoom. Man, I put that thing in third gear, almost at number seven. That's 21 gears, boy. Hey, I can pump that thing. But I thought the other day, I thought, man, this is pretty flat. There's no problem with this. And so I went over to the, to the um, 
uh, to the uh, Fishing Lake Park, you know, where there's not a whole lot of traffic. And I thought, well, I could go in faster, you know, that type of thing. Eh, that's not, uh, that's all right. You're doing this for cardio. They're a genius, so get some cardio. And so I, I got coming home that night, and I look up, the, I look up going by my street, I took a different way, got out of my box. And, um, and I see this hill. And I'm going, oh, there you are. Go up that hill. And boy, it was right. I got about halfway up that hill, and I'm going, ooh, I got to take this down a couple of gears. But what it did was it caused me to work a little bit. And that's what God will do for us sometimes. He will cause it to be a little bit of work. Not you working your way to heaven, but just W-O-R-K. Because there is no, there, there's something about work that will help us to get involved. And so consider these things in Jesus' name. Be familiar with your Bible, praise God. Learn to have a hunger and a thirst for prayer and praise. And, really, and realize the benefit of these things. Praise God. That's why the church, that's why we do what we do. Amen. A lot of it is. There's a reason behind it. Amen. We're not just trying to entertain you. We're trying to help you to understand that if you draw nigh unto him, he will. And so he will draw nigh unto you. But I understand some arrogant, you can't tell me what to do person. You're not going to be able to shove that down their throat. And so that's why we have to be careful when we get behind here. That's another part of the having the presence of God is that you realize they're human beings, Carnahan. They're not, they're not golden retrievers. Oh, I love, I love it when other people have dogs because I don't have to clean up after them. And so my wife and I at the flat, we're there flat now, and so we're sitting out in the back having our little coffee in the morning, and all of a sudden, I see this ball come flying over the tree, and this dog, beautiful dog, I had to have Border Collie in, oh my goodness, you need to let that dog come to your dog, because it was, man, I mean, tell you, you talk about the epitome, but that dog, man, it would chase after that ball, and it, I mean, bam, I even thought it was a smart dog, because after about 20, I mean, this dog was doing this for 15, 20 minutes. And I'm going, wow, her and I, we were just amazed, you know. We just sat there all day, you know. I mean, watch this dog do that. But all of a sudden, the dog got smart, and the, and the, and the shadow of the house was over there, and the dog caught the ball, walks over by the shadow, and just gets down. <laughs> and just sits there. And I thought, boy, that dog is smart. Yeah. But I realize that's not what I'm doing here. I'm not throwing the ball out at you so you can go and catch it. So you can make your master feel good. That's not what's happening here, folks. You are a free moral spirit. Amen. You can do what you want. That's what makes it so special when you do what he wants you to. That's what makes that special. It's because God knows that you're working at some things when you do his will. And so the third thing that I want, to want you to consider, and we're working on this one too, but this is one that they emphasize to me, praise God, and I still emphasize it, and that's church attendance. There's something that happens in the house of God that, that, that connects us with the kingdom of God that a lot of other things will not. That's why if you think the internet is going to be your baby, you're making a huge mistake. 
It's just not going to happen that way. And that's not a threat. That is absolute observation. That we need that touch. We need that familiarity with people. We need to watch them go through their ebbs and flows. Not that we're the Pentecostal police, but this is what gives it credence. You watch these people online, and I'm not putting them down, but you have no idea what they're doing the rest of the week. You have no idea what, they, you know, what kind of preparation they had for that thing. And any, not anybody, but a lot of people can prepare good messages, folks. It's the ones that live them. Those are the ones that really, really, really make an impact in people's lives. And the local church is that. And I understand this is a bad subject for some people because, well, I got all kinds of things going on. We got the kids involved in this and this and this. And And I understand that. I had them too, you know. But again, it comes down to priority. What's important? Are they going to learn about the things of God at those other events? And I'm not telling you to stop them. I'm just saying take a good look at it this week. What's it accomplishing? Are you just trying to become more friends to them? Are you really trying to instruct them in the way they should go? I'm not trying to get on your bad side, folks, but church attendance is a very important thing. In fact, the scripture that comes to my mind probably does to yours, you know, that fail not to assemble yourself. See, there's no mandate in the Bible about having church at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. It just says, have it. And this is what we do here. We're trying to improve in our services. We're trying to raise up leadership amongst our young. We're trying to give people an opportunity, praise God, to have their their gifts and their callings to come from God. And I understand that's going to take a little bit of adjustment. And you know something, sir? You know something, ma'am? That's good for you. It's good for you to sit there and watch somebody kind of stumble through something once in a while. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. It tells you that at least people are willing to try. And I'm, I don't say that in reflection to, to, to Harmon. Harmon's a, a very polished talker. He know he, this kid's getting a great education down there where he's at. But I'm going to tell you something. You've got to get that education out of that building down there and that polished environment. And you've got to get it out here in the field where it really, really, really is going to do some good. And praise God, who knows what he's going to, what he's going to learn from the next couple of weeks here. Who knows what's going to happen to him and what can change in his ministry. Amen. And you can help him. How do I help him? Oh, I'm going to preach it for him? No, you come here and clap your hands. You come here and lift your hands in the name of Jesus and say amen at least once. And just say, hey, come on, brother. I appreciate you doing that in the name of Jesus. You don't know what that does for people, praise God, that are really trying to fit that square peg in that round hole. I understand that. Oh, that's a metaphor. God rounds it out. Then it can fit in there. Praise God. Yeah, you weren't expecting that one, were you? Yeah. So church attendance, you help us. You help yourself. And I understand, man, people look at you like you got three heads, man, when you tell them you start going to church three times a week. I understand that. Then you start throwing in a marriage class. And then you start throwing in, will you go to prayer too? I mean, my goodness, what do you guys do? Live there? Yeah, I'd like to live there. Yeah, this is a great place. Air conditioning works. You know, we got some great cooks in this church. Amen. Haven't heard a cuss word in two hours. I'm telling you, this is a great environment. Start cherishing it. There's some of the weeds, folks. I'm identifying them now, is that we're not real thankful. We're getting bored. 
We're thinking it's a job and all that kind of business. And we need to get back to the place to where we cherish the word. We cherish praise and prayer. We cherish the house of God in Jesus' name. And then the fourth one that's got to be on a regular basis is something called giving. And I, again, I worked that one over here earlier, but, I, but it's the truth. If you don't give, a lot of times you close the door on what God wants to bring into your life. It's not some reservoir that you're trying to fill up all the time. You and I are conduits. We are, we're connected to the kingdom of God, and it flows through us. We don't have to worry about some reservoir. We don't have to worry about some, you know, boy, I hope they got enough in the bank there. No, we're connected to the rich of the riches, praise God. That's what it is. But you got to, and I got to allow on a regular basis to let it flow. And that's why giving isn't just with money. I always talk about time and treasure and talent. Reason why sometimes we have overworked in the church is not because, you know, they're the only ones that could do it. And that's why we got to have room for Wednesday nights. Because people have to be trained. Well, I can't sing like Chrissy sings. Either can I. I'm not even trying to imitate her. I'm just going to do the best that I can. See, that's the deal. I hope that you feel that in this church. I really do. I hope that you feel, praise God, an abundance of that, that I can try in this place. These people aren't going to mock me. They're not going to shut me down. The only place that I really, really am going to get to be a stickler is behind this pulpit. It's called teaching, praise God. I understand the responsibility that comes with that kind of stuff. You can't just put anybody up there. But believe me, I'm going to tell you something. Even this platform is, is a symbol of that. It can make or break a service. You get somebody up here, praise God, that wants to help, wants you to see how great they are, and they want their star to shine all the time, they will shut down a spiritual movement of God in a heartbeat. I don't want people like that up here, and I hope that you don't either. That's why you got to pray for the people that do come up here, because it's more than just learning a song or learning how to do something great. It's having the right spirit. Come on, somebody lift their hand right now and ask the Lord to help you with that. Come on, that's what he wants wants to do. Come on, he wants to help us to be free, to be free. Praise God. And that's why giving of our time, our talent, and, and our treasure will help in these matters. We'll learn that we are totally dependent on God. And that's the way it should be. Praise God. That's the way it should be in Jesus' name. And then finally, the last or the, the fifth thing, you know, we've got, we've got the word, we've got prayer and praise, we've got church attendance, we've got giving. And then the, the fifth thing is witnessing. And I understand that witnessing, we in the last decade, we put it into a program. You know, we meet on Saturday mornings and we go out and knock on doors. I'm not against any of that stuff, folks, but it really has not been very effective. And I'm not being critical. I'm just telling you the observation I've had for 45 years. I've done a lot of it. And I'm not saying we didn't get any results. But the, the best results you can have is a personal witness. When God opens up the door, as God opens up the, the, the windows, that you begin to present yourself as a child of God, not in arrogance, but you let your light shine. That's what Jesus talked about. Yes, he talked about we are the salt of the earth. There should be some flavor in our life. But absolutely, we are the light and a light is not a program. It's Him. He is the light. 
And if my life, praise God, is, is lining up with him, praise God, it will shine. And that's what this community needs. But we want to program when people get saved. And we have no idea. This guy that called me Thursday night, I hadn't heard from him for over a year. That's what I'm talking about here, folks. Just making ourselves available for the kingdom of God on a regular basis. And I do believe that if we're familiar with God's word, if we're praying and fasting on a regular basis and praising, and we're a church, praise God, whenever we can, and we're giving, praise God, I believe that light will automatically shine. And that's not a work. Yeah, it is. It's a work that glorifies God. And that's what God wants to get back to, the simplicity of your life. He doesn't want you to get to April 14th and wonder if you've got enough money for taxes. That's not how God operates. God right away issues a budget. God right away gives you work where you can go out and earn money. God gives you a brain and, and decision-making power that you can begin to start putting things in its proper order. No, in this life, that's never going to be foolproof. But boy, it'll go a long way with keeping peace into our lives in Jesus' name. See, folks, that's what God wants to do. He wants to return that simplicity back into our lives in Jesus' name. Let me end with this. The Scripture says in the second chapter of the book of Acts, let me go there and I'm just going to take a, a couple of verses out of there. I have often referred to the second chapter of the book of Acts, but I've, I've, I've um, uh, adjusted that a little bit. But the second chapter of the book of Acts is being a tremendous blueprint of how the church operated. And I understand you've got to be careful with that, but the, the book of Acts is a tremendous blueprint. And I, 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 st I, I remember this, and, I, and, I, and I, uh, I believe this with all of my heart, that whatever happened in the book of Acts, we can expect to be happening to us. But, you know, a lot of times, if you're like me, you'll read the Bible with, like you read the newspaper. There's certain things you just don't read. I'm not interested in that. Not interested in that, you know. I don't care what they have for sale. I don't care who's this and who's running for office and that type of thing. And so you can skim through the newspaper in a heartbeat because you, you read the five or six things that you like. Well, sometimes we can get that way with the Bible. And we can look at some of these things that happen in the Bible and say, yeah, thousands, yeah. Look at somebody and go, yeah, oh, yeah. But boy, we get around six and seven there you know, when they're growing, and then in seven, you know, when there's opposition. We don't, we, don't, we go, oh, about that one. I think we'll just skip over to that one. And see, we must understand that with those things, people receiving the Holy Ghost, people getting the things of God. The Apostle Paul is a good example. We've talked about his conversion today, didn't we? But do you realize the first missionary journey he went on? He thought, oh, man. These people are going to love seeing me come. We're going to man, great Sunday mornings and great Sunday, you know, dinners and stuff like that. Gets to a place uh, uh, called Lystrom, and, and he begins to preach the word, and that opposition was following him. And they got so upset, man, they stoned him. And they drug him out of the city because they thought, man, we're done with this guy. Not with God. And I don't know what kind of scars those stones left. I don't. And I'm not going to sit here and try to, you know, give you my version of it. I'm just telling you, I believe there were some scars. 
I believe when Paul went to that city and began to exhort the brethren, he looked like he got stoned. Big time. But he changed his message a little bit, and you study this for yourself. He changed and added something to it. He said, through much tribulation, we're going to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, that's not some threat. That's not some scare tactic. That's reality. Because I'll guarantee you that if you do these five things on a regular basis, which I hope you will, you're going to get some opposition. You're going to get somebody, man, to look at you and say, who do you, I mean, and I'm not saying you're going to get stoned and drugged out of the city. I'm just saying, but you can expect, and the word tribulation actually in one of its root meanings means pressure. You're going to get pressure to shut up. Keep that view to yourself. We don't want to hear that around here. Well, I don't have to say anything and still live for God. Do you see that? They can't turn your light off. That they can't do. Scripture says in the second chapter of the book of Acts here, it says in, um, uh, ver I'm, I'm not going to read the whole thing, I can't do that. The Scripture says, well, let me just read it here real quickly. The Scripture says in verse 41 here, 2 and 41, Acts, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls. Somebody look at somebody and go, yeah. And the scripture says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, verse 42, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And the scripture says, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and they had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily... It says, with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, in verse 47, and having favor with the people, and the Lord added to the church daily. See, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm so convinced of these certain things, if we can be just doing these things. I'm not talking about it's going to be the exact same way every day. But it's every day that you get up and you say, man, I am going to put these things in my life. And I believe that's when God, He will. He will add to the church. He understands. And so you and I, you know, it just comes down to the fact that if we do our part, God always does His. And so we don't have anything to be scared of. We just have to be careful with the weeds. We have to be careful with the things that we allow to grow. You know, one of those analogies that Jesus talked about was the fact that he that had, you know, sowed the seed, there were thorns that grew up. And this represented the cares of life and the worldlyism and the loving of riches. This is what that represented. And boy, if there's ever a culture, it's ours. This is what we do. We put a big, huge emphasis on those kind of things. And it takes the grace of God for us to keep that in balance. Are you willing to let God become the Lord of your life in those areas? Why don't you stand with me and let's just begin to talk to the Lord. Can we do that? Come on, we don't have to make it fancy words. Let's just talk to Him. Let's just present ourselves to Him. God, 
I, I love you. I appreciate you. I'm so glad, praise God, that we don't have to sit here and have the cares that the world has. That we can be concerned with good things. God, I'll ask you to help these people right now in the name of Jesus. Strengthen them. I pray, Lord God, that the weeding is happening already in Jesus' name. And that they'll get involved in that process. It won't always have to be the pastor that pulls the weeds. That they'll begin to pull some of those weeds in their own lives now. I'm going to trust that, God. I'm going to believe that even this after this morning, that you're going to bring that into each and every one of their lives in Jesus' name. I believe that, Lord. And I would pray if anybody here happens to be offended by what the Word said, I pray that they get over that quickly. I pray that they won't ask you to change your Word. I just pray that they will accept it, Lord God, and, and start working on it again in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that right now. I pray for the spirit of working in your kingdom, not being offended by what people do, but Lord God, looking to, to you, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Help us to do that right now. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. The plow's been a little bit deep here this morning, but God, I believe nobody got hurt. I believe this has been helping. I believe this is something, Lord God, that will linger on in the name of Jesus. Help us to be obedient, Lord God. Help us to be just like the Apostle Paul. Praise God. Who are you, Lord? Are you the one telling me this? Then what else can I do in Jesus' name? Help us to put that philosophy and that attitude into our lives, God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do you say we praise him a little bit now? Come on, let's thank him and praise him. 